Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Romantic Underpinning. Underpinnings. <laughs> That's Andrew Bleeker. Hi. <laughs> you stepped all over my intro. Uh, I'm Ashton, and this is Chapter 5. Um, <clears throat> if you joined us last week, you'll remember that um, Agatha has had some very interesting trysts with all the ladies at the body house. And she has been called downstairs to see what the clatter is about. Right? Is there anything you want to add to that, Andrew? Well, I mean, uh, A, this is a podcast where the two of us are uh, writing a historical romance novel, alternating chapters with me writing the uh, chapters from the point of the view of the heroine and Ashton writing chapters from the point of view of the hero. And B, uh, well, also Agatha, as well as being called down to handle the fracas. Um, fracas. Yeah, in fact, helped uh, helped subdue the drunken sailor who was causing trouble at the body house that she and our hero, Anthony, were uh, both staying at for their assorted uh, and already quite serpentine reasons. Um <laughs> And the hero and heroine finally met toward the end of the last chapter. So uh, Ashton's chapter, which I will be reading, is the one uh, immediately following that meeting of uh, soon-to-be paramours. Or, you know, by the end of the book-to-be paramours. Yeah, I don't know after this chapter, I don't know how soon-to-be it'll be, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, that's the great thing about, like... uh, uh, genre convention is that you know uh, no matter how unlikely everyone's just going to be on tenterhooks like waiting to see how we pull it <laughs> off that's fair um, I will say just in my own defense I did not even reread this this one this time I usually go back and at least give it a cursory uh, proofread but the day ended up such that 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 did not happen I'm ready all right well that makes one of us should people check us out on, like, a website or social media? Yes. By now, we will have had a website, romanticunderpinnings.com. You can go there for all the latest episodes. Uh, maybe some merch. You can also follow us on Instagram, and I believe we will have a Twitter, all at Romantic Underpinnings. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. I might as well dive in. As follows. The lad simply stared at Anthony's hand. It hung there between them, growing more and more like a cold fish. Finally, as if realizing the faux pas, he grabbed Anthony's hand and began pumping it wildly. The words coming from his mouth were striking Anthony like darts. Pleased to make your acquaintance, sir. I've heard so much about you. Am honored I am. Oh, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, so Agatha is, like, totally Dutch. Um, a Dutch woman pretending to be a young man, and, uh, I have decided, I believe much as Ashton did in the last chapter, that, uh, not to try to do an accent. (laughs) Um, so, uh, anyway. And on and on with the vigorous shaking. Finally, Anthony was able to jerk his hand away, and the clatter ceased. All Anthony managed was a curt charmed 
I doubt he had that upper class of an yeah, accent. Yeah, what the heck? Dude, no, I, something about how, like, dismissive that is after an effusive greeting. I see. Gave I me see. a very, like... You just... That's, like, a thing pretentious people do. So you had to... Well, it, it's... Uh, it really gave me an Alan Rickman vibe. and <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, like, I can't pass up the Alan Rickman vibe, even though I don't think our hero is very much like Alan Rickman uh, in any way. He, he's a little, uh... Uh, well, I'll just let you keep going. But he's a bit um, Rickman-y in this chapter, I guess, is what we're going with as a descriptor. Oh, I, I cannot wait. I, <clears throat> you know what's amazing about this? What? Um, Alan Rickman is very, like, he is an actor who's, like, very ripe for fan fiction. And I can't wait till our podcast has fan fiction written about it. Oh, that would it. be amazing. Um, so so send us your perfect. send us your fan art and fan fiction. We would love to read and see any of it. And um, if you have a time machine, let us know because we should go back in time and cast. Um, yeah. Like I feel like like 1979 Alan Rickman should star in the movie adaptation. There you go. That this, that sounds exactly right. Although this... I don't think he has dark hair well actually i don't know if we know what he looks like yet oh you mean anthony yeah uh he has nice teeth yes i think his hair he does have unnaturally uh anachronistic is that right yeah anachronistic anachronistic teeth and he's he's tall like especially for the time presumably yes um, which, you know, Rickman wasn't like super tall, but he had this like lean, he could He's play He's a tall. bearing, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, I feel like the word Auburn showed up with this hair, but I might have been. Yeah, so, but like Rickman had like pitch black hair, so I don't know. It was, I feel like. I guess we could dye it. Yeah, no, I mean, Rickman's hair was a, it was a deep brown, I would say. It's not quite black. All um, right. Yeah, like, I've, I like. Hans Gruber's hair wasn't as dark as... Um, That's true, actually. Uh, what, what, he was Snape, Snape, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm going to read more diehard fan fiction. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be amazing. There's not much, like, time in that story, but right. I think... It was, like, a day or something? Yeah, but 18 I, I hours. Think... Yeah, so like there wasn't like there wasn't enough time between Bruce Willis and uh, Alan Rickman meeting, uh, and Alan Rickman like flat falling off the building. You could do like a Hans Gruber like, what are those books called when it's like the pre-story, origin the story, origin story? Yeah, yeah, totally. But but would he hump Bruce Willis like in Probably. that story? I would think so. Well, yeah, but how? When would he? When would Hans Gruber and John? McLean well, that wouldn't have met? be his origin story. Yeah. That would be like the post the post story, like conjugal visits in prison or whatever. Oh, he landed on an open air truck full of mattresses when he fell off the building. Yeah, there you go. And then John McClane got realized he's totally yeah. in love. Right, okay. Alright, so oh my God. that's our next podcast <laughs> is our long form Don't hold your breath for that die one. Die Hard sequel, but not Die Hard Two with a Vengeance. Um, also, <laughs> you know what would be amazing about getting into the Die Hard fan fiction is actually like, because I think Hans Gruber's brother comes in the third Die Hard movie and ah. tries to kill him, but I, I sense a love triangle happening oh between the God. Gruber boys and Bruce Willis. 
Anyway, let's um let's start the chapter. I made it almost uh, a paragraph and a half um, before that um, um, digression. So, he stuffed his hand into his pocket, lest the lad grab it again. He turned his back on him and faced Stella, who was watching the two of them with a curious look in her eyes. Mentally shrugging, he asked her, Hurt badly there, Stella? Jack had been known to cause trouble in the houses on occasion, but always came back apologetic the next day and with more than enough gold to make up for whatever damage he'd caused. He was a mean drunk, but also one of the most trustworthy sailors on the dock. He never reneged on an agreement and could always be counted on aboard ship, which is why the houses continued to put up with his property destruction. Stella shrugged. Nay, Antony, just bruised my wrist a mite. He had he had only just started the ruckus when you and the young ones showed up to take him down a peg or two. I thank ye both for coming to my aid. I'd offer you a nip of whatever you'd have as thanks. Of whatever you'll have as thanks. She finished, absently rubbing the wrist that Jack had had such a tight grip of. Anthony noticed one of the girls behind the bar, whom Stella motioned to. She gestured at the two of them, and they sat. Um... So they went back. I feel like they were on the street when they first met. Well, they lugged him out or whatever. And then your chapter ends with them shaking hands. I thought it was... With an introduction. Still outside, like right after they deposited the guy, but... Oh, I just like had them throw, toss him out and come back in to talk to her. All right. You see what I mean? Yeah. Like, so they're just standing in the middle of like the dining room or whatever, the entrance parlor, wherever she serves drinks. Fair enough. Where there's a bar, there's a bar. Um, just just for like my own reference when writing subsequent chapters, like what her- heuristic do you use to decide whether to use ye and whether to use you? I honestly don't know. It's like whatever I feel like is most natural in their dialogue. Um, mostly with a conjunction, I use you. Um, I don't know. It's just sort of to to nod to their like l- lowborn. Because Anthony and Stella both obviously don't have, like, higher educations because he was a stable hand. So it's just a nod to show that they're not, you know, noble or whatever. Ah. Okay, okay. So I also want to see some, like, apostrophes in place of H's at the beginning of words as well. Um, Dickens used that to such great effect. Like, what the L is going on here kind of thing. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that happens. I do tis a couple of times. There, there is a little bit of that. I don't do that one as much. All right. I can't wait to like dive so deep into the lexicography of the era we're dealing with. This is great. Um, anyway, what'll it be then, gentlemen? I'll have Artemisia get whatever you fancy. She nodded again at Artemisia, who set down three glasses on the table they'd all had a seat at. Anthony looked at the bot. Anthony looked at the boy and then back at Stella. Some middle-of-the-road brandy will do nicely, Stella. There's no reason to break out your best stuff for that cad. He's not worth it, Anthony said, directed at Stella, but while actually looking at Artemisia. Wait, who's the cad? Jack. Jack. Oh, is Jack, like, with them? No, no. Oh, oh, I see. There's just, like, no reason to reward them for, like, 
his tr- oh, being troubled I, I because of like, Jack. That like, was a trifle. Yeah, I, like yeah. it was no big deal. Like we'll just have whatever is open, you know. Like, yeah. No need to get like the Glen Fittitz 15 year or whatever. Yeah, I wonder when the term like rail started to be used for like the worst of the hard liquor, but I don't think it's you can probably get... after this. Oh, I, I'm sure it is, and also like. Could you like? I want to go to like. I want to ride the rail. Tavern. No, I want to go to the Hobnobber Tavern in Burien and say like, I just want your rail brandy. And um, now everyone, <laughs> you know where we are. Okay. Um, Ew! Why would you order anyway? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding because I don't think brandy has. Dear like... listeners, never order off the rail if you can afford it. Okay. Um, I I disagree. Uh, mm. Because like the drinks I get have so much like grapefruit juice and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but no one should drink matter. the stuff you drink. Agreed. <laughs> um, she wasn't paying any attention to him. However, she only had eyes for the boy. I would have switched that semicolon and comma, but I guess that actually doesn't matter for the podcast. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, aud- great uh, audio content. All right, uh, let's, yeah, so I actually want uh, listeners to do a transcription of what they think the chapter looks like, and whoever gets the punctuation closest to accurate um, gets uh, a free uh, patch that they can sew onto their leather jacket. Please, please don't do that. Fair enough. Oh, Stella gave her a swift kick to the ankle to get her moving. Anthony took another look at the boy. He took him in. He was lithe for a man, with nary a piece of stubble on his face anywhere, cheeks extraordinarily smooth. His brown hair was chopped haphazardly, as though he'd done it himself with a dull blade. The color was a nice sort of brown, but mundane. His eyes were a striking green, the color of the sea before a wicked storm. He looked terribly young to be at Stella's at all. Anthony knew Stella had strict rules for guests she let enter, and would never let someone underage in, unless for a good reason. Either the boy was 18, or had some other merit so that Stella would allow him inside. Um, I mean, age of consent dorks are, like, the single worst dorks, but I doubt the age 18 was meaningful in, like, 1690. Uh, That's fair, but we're in 2020, so. She also, isn't she 19? Oh, no, Stella totally is, but I feel like she probably looks like, like a 15-year-old or some shit, which I guess makes sense. Yeah, um, but... Mm. No, and I, I absolutely agree that, um, that you know, for the purposes of historical fiction, like brothel keepers in 1690 might as well adhere to, like, you know, uh, uh, 2020 standards. Of... Right, like, I see what you're saying, but also... I feel like you're just yeah. being pedantic for no reason. Yeah, alternate title of the podcast. <laughs> it just is like the title of your autobiography. Yes. Pedantic for no reason. Sometimes. <laughs> um, from the way Artemisia had been staring, he bet that she'd vouched for the boy. Anthony wondered if he might share some of his secrets. Ladies of the night didn't eye just anyone like that. He then realized during his ruminations that Stella was speaking and had been for some time while he'd been lost in thought. Just don't know what's gotten into Jack. He's been sober for over six months. He's been doing so well, and he had that fiancé all lined up and was working over on Carmichael's crew. Never a better hand, especially when he's not on the drink. 
She finished her, finished her monologue on the merits of Jack as Artemisia strode up to the table with their bottle of brandy. Nodding at Stella in agreement, he thanked Artemisia, and she turned away, swaying her hips slightly in invitation. All three of them watched her leave the table. Sorry, Stella, did you say that Jack's been ousted? Anthony asked her. He and Jack had worked together on various occasions under Henry, and Stella was right. When Jack was sober, he was the best muscle you could buy at any port, honorable to a fault, and never overcharged. He was a great member of crew to have on hand when engaging in less than reputable pursuits. If he was available, Anthony would have to make him an offer to be able to secure his talents for the next voyage. Well, I don't know, Anthony, she responded. I thought he'd been given a six-month contract with Carmichael only a month back, but if he was in here tonight drinking, then either that went south, when south, sorry, or his engagement did, or both, she said. She and Anthony were aware of what that might mean for the bender Jack was on. Anthony nodded. Meanwhile, the boy Peter hadn't said a word. He'd been watching Stella speak and stole quick glances at Anthony. When Anthony turned his attention to him, he glued his eyeballs to the surface of the brandy. What about ye? What about ye, then, young lad? Or what about ye, then, young lad? Or the... What about ye, then, young lad? What's going on? Are the commas weird? What's up? Why, why I can't... I can't quite... What about ye, the... then, young lad? It's not that hard. Oh, I would have had another comma, because, yeah, the young lad was just the comma talk with Andrew. Uh. No, um, no, I just... I I really wanted to, like, not hesitate, but it's the... Then the sentence was just sort of, like... Uh, just sort of, like dangling and i couldn't wrap my mouth around it but you're dangling no comment anthony <laughs> asked rather too loudly than strictly oh what about ye then young lad anthony asked rather too loudly than strictly necessary he stuttered and mumbled a few words that anthony couldn't quite make out his voice was high and anthony wondered again just how old he was and if maybe he hadn't made it all the quite hadn't oh, and if maybe he hadn't quite made it all the way through puberty what was that? Speak up, he demanded. The boy raised his eyes up to meet Anthony's, the, str- the stirring green catching him a bit off guard. Ooh, I like stirring green. Well, I couldn't remember even if we had described her, so I guess she has auburn hair and green eyes. Oh, I thought he had auburn hair. Maybe. Well, if the Peter auburn is Agatha, so she. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I thought we were talking about anthony no i don't know we haven't you have to describe him in the next i did say his i think he also may have auburn hair but whatever all right well i i want a scene where they braid each other's hair um (laughs) she can't she's hacked hers off with a dull knife oh no the boy raised his eyes up to meet anthony's the stirring green catching him a bit off guard they seemed more eclectic than they had after their first impression. Electric. What? I can't. I, I spelled it wrong. Oh! Not eclectic. Electric. <clears throat> that makes more sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> spelling uh, with Ashton. That's what the also subtitle of this podcast. Because <laughs> I can't spell. What about me, sir? He asked Anthony defiantly, not giving anything away. His voice had hardened now that he was looking Anthony in the eye. Anthony could feel pinpricks in his throat as he swallowed some unnamed emotion. What's your occupation? Anthony asked. One knew never to ask a person why they were in Stella's. 
The reason was obvious. Well, sir, I am a sailor looking for a captain who will give me my maiden, Peter said. Anthony groaned internally, but tried not to let his face give away his displeasure. Every first-time sailor needed a generous captain to give them their maiden. Sailors, being a superstitious lot, always had trouble securing the first voyage. Boys with capable fathers were usually able to convince a captain to take their son along on his on this or that trip with the father present to show the new hand the ropes. Uncles helped with nephews, even distant cousins worked. Most young men had been apprenticed at a very young age, or were old hands already, or had been, like, totally kidnapped and shit. I just want right. to throw that. Right, <clears throat> But if this boy had no vouch for him, it would take an extraordinary display of skills and persuasion for a captain to take him I off. will say I also made up the whole idea of a maiden voyage, so I, I did look up, look into it in the historical record, and most... Young boys were apprenticed at the age of like seven or nine and then just like were sailors. Um, so I don't actually know if you could have, if he could have gotten passage being like an untried 18 year old or whatever, however old Anthony thinks he is. Um, just as a historical note, that's amazing because like that means there were boys who were sailors at the age when I like couldn't even figure out how to use the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles blimp toy, right. Um, right. anyway, and I, I love that they're just referring to it as my maiden. Well, like, that's, I also just thought that was funny. Yeah. I, oh, you know, no. I was like, whatever, I'm going to call this whatever I want. So. Oh, it, it's perfect. No, like <clears throat> point totally comes across and, um, the, the possibilities are endless. Right. Um, yeah, take an extraordinary display of skills and persuasion for a captain to take him on or one who is desperate. And Anthony was desperate. He needed to assemble a crew of six as fast as he could. He needed a second mate, a lookout, muscle, an explosive engineer, and a general deckhand. I also made up most of those. I mean, I did a little bit of crew research, but the the record isn't super accurate for 1690. Yeah. So Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. I was um, just like thinking of the people he would need for his like project. But anyway. Yeah, I... <laughs> <laughs> i like i mean i mean yeah this is oceans 11 like and that wasn't right like he needs either. a crew he needs a crew and each person has a thing there's no hacker but we've got all the other other than like the getaway car and the hacker we've got all we've we're checking all the boxes i feel like someone could like be really good at fucking around with semaphore and sort of do some hacking type stuff yeah, that's maybe like, like holding up flags in various configurations <laughs> to like dupe enemy right. uh, trip uh, ships and stuff. I just don't think it'll be necessary on this uh, mission per se. But I was like trying to think of all the roles that Anthony's going to need. You know, trying to like steal or plant or whatever we decide he's he's gonna do. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Anthony has been sent by uh, King uh, William the third i think yeah. yeah totally william the third um on some kind of murky mission to yeah i mess messed with if, if you've been following along i completely messed it up in chapter one so basically he has to do something at the french court we've decided we i think he's going to plant something on the french king is that what we decided uh, I I believe so. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think I think England and France might already have been at war at this time, but they're like sort of about to be at war, and you could always gin up the war a little bit anyway. Yeah. 
So. Or it could be right before it started, but I Or just... he's going to collect intel about the war or something. There's something... He has to go to the French court, basically. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And blow things the hell up. Yes. Uh, um... Yeah, if he was able to secure Jack in the morning, he'd have his crew ready by noon tomorrow, but only if the boy was willing and able and the crew was willing and able to work with him. He sized the boy up. He looked thin, even for his age, not much muscle on him, which meant good things for him climbing up the rigging, but less good things in a fight. He'd shown that he could think on his feet and hit a man when he needed to. He'd helped Anthony haul Jack out the door, and even though Anthony could tell, even though Anthony could tell, he hadn't taken very much of Jack's considerable weight. The silence between the three of them at the table was growing up from the floor like a weed, and Anthony continued to study the boy and let it grow. Stella was content to, to sit and watch them both, and Anthony knew there was something she was waiting for. The boy finally grew uncomfortable with the scrutiny and shifted in his seat and dropped his eyes back down to the mug in front of him. He didn't speak, though, simply lifted the brand E to his lips <laughs> and took a hearty swig. As he did, Anthony noticed his hands for the first time. As a sailor, a man's hands were callous and rough skin was a point of pride. Peter's hands were delicate and slender and looked softer than a pair of lambskin gloves. This boy wouldn't be able to haul a rope without ravaging the skin. Anthony rolled his eyes to the ceiling, wondering how God could test him so. There was no way this boy was going to be ready for a ship and the work involved, but Anthony needed the extra pair of hands, regardless of how delicate they presented themselves. This boy was a gift wrapped in a curse. So then, boy. So then, boy. So then, boy. <laughs> Comments with Andrew. I'm so sorry. What would you like your maiden to be? Do you have any family that would that would vouch or experience? Anthony asked Peter. Having taken a tiny sip of the brandy, but still coughing at the fiery taste, the boy answered. Well, sir, I'd take whatever I can get. I am trying to make it back to my mother in Paramaribo. I've made the crossing twice already, he said proudly, not mentioning either family or any experience. Anthony pressed the issue. What experience, lad? It came out a bit more harshly than he had intended. The boy dropped his eyes to his drink again and mumbled something. Anthony drew a hand down his face. If the boy was going to be this shy, he wasn't sure he'd able to... He'd... Sorry, this was all me. If the boy was going to be this shy, he wasn't sure he'd be able to handle himself at all aboard a group of rowdy sailors. Aboard or, a ship. Yes, abo or aboard... A ship of rowdy sailors. No amount of comma placement could save my... That one was my, your own yeah. fault. Yeah, no, that, that absolutely. Um, Speak up! Anthony nearly shouted. Oh, I totally just made him shout, but whatever. Um, we'll fix it in, the, in post. Oh, yeah. I don't have experience, sir, but I am a hard worker and will do whatever you ask without complaining. <laughs> the boy had looked up and straight into Anthony's eyes. Another shock ran down the back of Anthony's neck with this direct with the direct gaze. There was something about this boy. Anthony couldn't quite put his finger on it, but there was something driving him to trust this youngster. His gut had always been a better judge of character than his brain. It was at this moment Stella decided to speak. 
Now, Anthony, you know I never meddle in business matters, and I wouldn't dream of advising you on your crew, but I'll vouch for the boy as far as character is concerned. He has my utmost respect in that regard. You can ask any lady here. She'll also vouch for him, she said. Anthony thought about that. He, had, he rarely had heard such high regard for a person come out of Stella's mouth, and for her to stake her girl's, her girl's word on this lad was also high praise. Many of the girls had favorites, or liked some of the customers, but for her to make such a blanket comment was astonishing. I thank ye, Stella, for that, the boy said humbly. They shared a glance across the table. Again, there was something Anthony couldn't quite put his finger on. He shrugged it off. Deciding that he would ask Stella about it later, he wouldn't have a crew member who had secrets from him. Oh, deciding that he w would ask Stella about it later, he wouldn't have a crew member who had secrets from him. What? What? Why did you have such a struggle with that? Um, I don't, like, commas with Andrew is bad enough. We do not need to get into my semicolon spiel. <laughs> um, but, uh... When, when you inevitably buy this book and an uh, airport display case in like a year or two, um, that semicolon will not still be in the same place. <laughs> um, Ouch. Th that's all right. I mean, my chapters are going to be cut to ribbons. It's oh, not, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not as if that's the only thing we're going to change. Uh, yeah. And, and by the way, as uh, I don't think we mentioned that one of the conceits of this podcast is that this is absolute first draft and this is... You know, we're all, we're not doing any revision or even serious proofreading on these chapters before the other person does a completely cold reading of them. So, um, well, so, that's half the fun. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that there's many a slip twixt the podcast and the airport book display. Ah. Or yes. the like, I want, I want this book to be sold in the like checkout line of Target. Yeah, there you I don't think they sell books at Starbucks the way they used to sell CDs right by the register, but I feel like this one should be sold at they Starbucks. Do, they sell like journals or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and this uh, as yet unnamed, but soon yeah. to change the world novel. Yes. Um. Oh, oh, okay. I know where I was. He wouldn't have a crew member who had secrets from him. The clock in the square struck eleven, and Stella picked up her mug and downed the contents in one long gulp. She drew the back of her hand across her mouth and stood up in one smooth motion. Stay as long as you'd like, gentlemen, but I'm off to bed. Tis been a long day, and Jack just made it longer. I thank you both for coming to my aid. She picked up her mug and strode out to her quarters in the back, pausing to set the mug on the bar to be cleaned later. Anthony only had one small sip left in his own mug. So he tipped it back and let the amber liquid drip down the back of his throat and warm his chest. I'm off as well, he said, as he pushed his body away from the edge of the table. He stood up with his mug in hand and took a step to the bar. When a slight sound stopped him, he turned back. All right, we're reaching a critical point in the chapter, but <laughs> mug. Yeah, it was glasses earlier, I noticed. Um, but I think like... In, in 1690, there would have been only one type of... Like, I don't think they would have had glassware. Yeah, they definitely wouldn't have had, like, all those, like, floofy different shaped <clears throat> right, glass things for, not. like, Belgian so beer. It, it, I was, you know, it's probably just some ceramic mug. Yeah, I... Yeah, it's just like, that's not how I personally drink brandy when I order well, myself a real brandy. because you're fancy. But, yeah, I just, like, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like... 
I mean, I always want it to be like a tankard or something, but a, but a tankard would be something even weirder to drink. No, brandy you wouldn't. Of. Yeah, because a mug, you know, is probably smaller at least. Because why would you make a whole tankard dirty? I mean, you're just having like a shot of brandy. You're not drinking like a cocktail. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought that was the most appropriate vessel. I did. I did a lot of considering about it. I was like, what are they going to be drinking out of? Because glass isn't right either. Um, and I do say glass earlier in the chapter. No, yeah, I'm I'm not really in favor of glass, but I think that this deserves deep investigation <laughs> and probably an appendix in the book. Oh yeah, like historical uh, drinking Along with vessel the historical note. boot note. Oh oh yeah, not not and to the mention historical ship notes. Well yeah, not to mention the like dutch slash english like <laughs> hairstyle stuff right with um, their what did you call it i a called it a hairnet. hairnet it wasn't a hairnet uh, i take full responsibility uh, also all dentists get in touch historical dentists <laughs> tell me about the teeth thing i know it's wrong i don't care oh no i love that he has um amazing teeth but i would like to see his regimen doing right whatever, like, what like, the how is he stuff. getting them amazing like no one knows anyway yeah, no, I love it. Um, I wonder her like the odds of the both of our both our hero and heroine having decent teeth are fine. So she might have like a bunch of like fetid holes where her teeth oh, should be and like don't. sharp black and stumps going on. I can't handle it. I really on. can't. That's a deal breaker for me. Well, I mean, Anthony's got to be used to it. He's he's been. I just the block can't handle nasty teeth. It's just I, you know, I just can't. All right. Well. Um, you know, here at my mercy for the next chapter. Ugh. So we'll we'll just have to see. If you have gross you. teeth, then I might have to quit. All right. Um, just be warned. I can't say on the spot whether it's worth it. Okay. Ah. Um. I'm going. Oh, sorry. Let's let's finish the chapter. We were at a critical juncture. We were actually. Um. He stood up with his mug in hand and took a step toward the bar when a slight sound stopped him. He turned back. Sir, the boy asked. What? Anthony asked back. Peter seemed to shrink. Heaven help me, this boy's personality changes every minute, Anthony thought. Well, sir, am I er hired? He asked timidly. Meet me at nine in the morning sharp tomorrow. We'll go down to the dock and see how you do. Don't be late, Anthony snapped. He hadn't signed on to be a nurse during this expedition. During this expedition... Oh, he hadn't signed on to be a nurse during this expedition that he didn't even want to take in the first place. Oh, thank you. Thank you, sir. You will not regret it, the boy started exclaiming. He was still expressing his gratitude as Anthony left the room and made his way up to his cot in the attic. <clears throat> okay, now you can pedantically talk about mugs and whatever else you want, because the chapter has ended. I have nothing left to say. I left ah! it all on the floor. Oh, you did, huh? Well, I mean, I have. I I don't have any other historical notes. Mm. Um, like I'm not going to complain about cots or addicts. Hey. Uh, or why? Uh, why would you complain about those two? No, all I'm saying is like everything else is ah, perfect see. and exactly as it was in. Mm. Sometime between like 1689 and 1691, we'll have to like get a more precise timeline of exactly what was going on between England and France. Right. Well, yeah, because I miffed the first chapter so badly, it doesn't really matter. I mean, 
whatever, as long as it's, you know, time and we can come up with some conflict at some point that will have to be uh, fixed when it goes to revision and before it is in the target line or yeah. whatever. We need some conflict that can be solved with uh, an explosives guy. <laughs> And, well, I also had to do some research because I was like, they don't just like call him an explosives tech. So it's actually, he's actually a gunpowder technician. Um, and then I had like went down a very weird rabbit hole about like when gunpowder started being a thing. Ooh. Because I wanted to make sure that like gunpowder existed. Like it just got deeper and deeper and it was like, okay, you're doing, you're focusing way too much on like whether or not this thing exists and it probably won't even figure into the story very much. Oh, it's going to figure into the story. Well, Don't you worry will, about that. Because we've been talking about it. But I was like, okay, you're really like overthinking this, I think. All right. Um, here's, here's the biggest question I have. Oh, God. Since you researched the history of gunpowder, do you know what saltpeter is? Yeah, I do. I mean, I knew what saltpeter was before, like prior to this research. I was like literally just wondering a day or two ago what the hell saltpeter is because I it's don't like know. the precursor to gunpowder. It's like the active ingredient, I believe. Yeah, because like, I know what it's they like used to make gunpowder ever out of. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, because I know it's like an ingredient in old-fashioned gunpowder, but I don't like what it comes from. Is it like you know? Uh... Uh, that I actually don't know, but I do know like it was really unstable, which is why like it was really hard to store because it was so flammable. Um, so then they like added something or took something oh, away to make gunpowder. So if like, for instance, if 1691 Will Smith and Martin Lawrence had to like, uh, commandeer a carriage outside of a nightclub to chase some suspects, um, and they were going at high speed, they would look in the back of the carriage and realize that it's loaded with highly unstable saltpeter. There's likely to explode in ways that make for a really cool action scene. Uh, yes, I think it would explode. Well, I don't know why I keep talking about eight like uh, uh, old action movies during this episode, but um. So, so it's actually saltpeter is what they actually call potassium nitrate. So, um, you can apparently it's like the active ingredients. Um, and now it's used as preservative in cured meat and an ingredient in toothpaste for sensitive teeth. So they used to prescribe it, like you used to be able to eat it as well um, for arthritis, it looks like. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I don't think that like is great. Um, yeah, so and then major uses are fertilizers, tree stump removal, rocket propellants, and fireworks. So it is the major constituent of gunpowder. So it's like the active ingredient in gunpowder. All right. So um, the listener who... Uh, yeah, the one person who was interested in knowing the answer well, to that question. No, I, I'm sure we have a lot of fans in the, you know, saltpeter aficionado community. And whoever, oh, yeah. whoever sends us the best recipe involving saltpeter, whether it's for, you know, fertilizer or toothpaste or, you know, muffins. Muffins? Um, yeah, write it in, and we will send you uh, our official uh, knitted cap. Oh, my gosh. Um, do we have anything else to talk about, or are we just going to tease the next chapter from Agatha slash Peter's point of view? I mean, do we have anything really to tease? There is going to be 
There are there going is. to be chills, oh. spills. Oh, okay. Um, Hopefully not of gunpowder. No, no. It's because, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing's exploding. I say we're... we're not yet, huh? No, no, no. This, this book is in a... Um, is in a smoldering phase. Oh. So there's going to be some smolder for you in the next episode. That is um, a threat and a promise. Oh, Lord, help us all. We'll, we will, we're going to enjoy your recipes, although we certainly um, are not actually going to release this episode before recording the next one. So there will be a little bit of a lag in this contest <laughs> um, of undetermined length. Yeah, you keep putting contacts, but you'd have to actually uh, edit stuff and put it up for those to work. Yeah, but, um, you know, what's great is once we finally start receiving correspondence, they're going to be like, they're going to, we're going to learn so much about buckets and buckets of fan mail, hairnets, not including, um, fan art. And, uh, what was the other thing you said? Um, oh, when you, when you write the story, fan, oh, fan fiction. Fan fiction. Wow. Yeah. I could not think of it. It was not there. It was never going to be there. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Um, fan art, fan fiction, um, Pictures of you uh, having scrawled graffiti uh, of uh, the title of this podcast on like world famous, you know, monuments and artifacts. Oh my god, and... that would actually be cool. I'd be here for that. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get like sued if somebody like you know. Oh yeah, don't like do Mahal. it. But I'm saying like take a photo and then put it in InDesign and then just like fake graffiti over the top of it. All right, I think you know what have... I mean. Like I'm saying, like don't actually do that. But I would love a photo of it. All right, so you have your marching orders. We're going to start editing these episodes and actually put we? it out. That's all you. Okay, I'm going to edit the episodes. I'm also going to write the next chapter. And um, He has a lot to do, you guys. Yeah, the smolder is real. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's it. So stay tuned for next time in Romantic Underpinnings. Just a quick correction on the socials for that episode. Our Twitter handle is actually at Rom Under Pod, not Romantic Underpinnings. It wasn't available. Um, but our Instagram and our website are correct, romanticunderpinnings.com or at romanticunderpinnings. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, and subscribe us wherever you find your podcasts. And we hope you liked it and we'll listen to the next one. Thanks.